Hello, welcome to the CityWire Funds Fanatic podcast. My name is Gavin Lumsden, and today I'm talking to a well-known investor in the investment trust world. He's Nick Greenwood, manager of Myton Global Opportunities, which is an investment trust that specialises in buying undervalued shares in other investment trusts and closed-end funds. Great to see you, Nick. Now, well, afternoon. Afternoon. You're a discount-chasing value investor, aren't you, uh, when you sum it all up? Is that a fair description of your philosophy? Um, yes, fair about the, the, the majority of our positions. I mean, I think it, we're, we're sort of uh, exploit mispricings. Sometimes it's, you know, um, the market's not understanding what a NAV, a NAV really is. So sometimes uh, a trust can appear to be on a premium where we believe it's actually on quite a large discount. But yeah, but uh, discount chasing, um, that, that's, that's definitely part of the process. So when you say NAV, you refer, that's shorthand for abbreviation uh, for net asset right. value, exactly, the underlying value of the, the investments, exactly. And uh, so you spend quite a lot of time actually you know, sort of checking that those uh, net asset values, the, the officially stated ones, are what they really appear to be. And sometimes you see actually the, that the, 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 the companies themselves are undervaluing themselves. Is that right? Yeah, I mean, I mean, this is particularly true since the, the closed-ended world has sort of evolved into a home for alternative assets. Um, so a classic example of what I'm talking about would be Founders Timber, which was on our core holdings a year or two ago, where, you know, they, they revalue the, the forests once a year. Um, in, in between valuations, the Chinese have banned the felling of natural timber. Most of the assets in New Zealand, which are one of the best places in the world to export timber to. So the world has totally changed, but the market still tends to use the state of the NAV. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're always looking for opportunities like that. You know, it yeah. appeared to be on two premium. The reality was we, we estimated it was something like a 20 discount. OK. Now, the, the great thing about in, the investment trust sector is it does provide, you know, this it's it's a wide ranging sector, lots of different asset classes, lots of different companies, some better known than others. Um, and it gives lots of it gives opportunities for uh, sort of investigative uh, investors like you sort of to dig around and, and, and see where there might be anomalies. Um, but looking at sort of the more sort of bigger sort of picture, broader picture of investment trusts, it seems we're in an interesting time, I, I think. Um, it's been a rough 2020 so far, obviously, with the uh, pandemic. Uh, markets have had a, a collapsed and then rebounded. And by the end of the first half, you know, although a lot of trusts were sort of still below their uh, starting uh, levels for the year, the discounts have narrowed to uh, about 8%. And assets under management, according to the Association of Investment Companies, are back at a peak of nearly 202 billion, which all sounds relatively good. But at the same time, we're seeing signs of investor unrest, fund manager changes like uh, Mark Barnett uh, leaving Edinburgh and uh, perpetual uh, income, the departure of Alistair Mundy at Temple Bar, that sort of thing. And there's been a spate of continuation votes as well, what, what, which are also giving an opportunity for people to you know, assess the future of uh, various investment trusts. What, what do you think uh, is, is going on? What's the, what's the mood is that you're seeing? Well, the sector continues to evolve and it's always evolved. Um, and the growth is, is, as I said before, in alternative assets. Um, I think there are a lot of traditional mandates that... Um, don't really add anything. I mean, the, the, you know, if you could run a fund as an open-ended, then it makes more sense to do it because, um, you know, investors can get capacity and can buy a lot and sell a lot at, 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 short, at short notice. So there are funds that have been around for years that might be typically be a, uh, an equity fund um, that perhaps, you know, isn't really adding or isn't using the capital structure, isn't benefiting from the protection of inflows and outflows enough to compensate for all the hassles of actually trying to buy and sell investment trusts. 
And I think, you know, like a lot of things, COVID has brought in a speeding up of existing trends. And we've had MIFID and we've had, you know, the winter flood crisis. Now we've got difficult markets because of the, the, the pandemic. And I think that's speeded up, um, you know, the creative destruction, shall we say. And we will inevitably lose a fair number of trusts. We've lost a, a few trusts in the, in, in the last few weeks. And at the same time, you know, new asset classes will, 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 will you know, um, be available through through closed-ended funds. You know, alternatively, it makes total sense, as, as I talked about, a timber fund. I mean, you couldn't really run that as an open-ended. Uh, you can't sell a forest um, uh, within a couple of days. Um, there are all sorts of asset classes, such as shipping or second-hand life policies, that uh, really can't be an open-ended fund that people want to invest in. That really is the future of the closed-ended sector. Yeah, those are very specialist uh, illiquid uh, assets that um, we require, you know, a special structure. But um, it, it's interesting you're sort of predicting um, more investment trusts will sort of all be wound up because that's the kind of tenor of a, a very interesting report out from uh, Numa Securities, uh, a leading broker in the in the sector, uh, which this week is basically calling for for more uh, mergers between uh, investment trusts and a bit more corporate action to kind of you know sh- sh- shrink the sector down so that we're left with um, bigger uh, basically bigger funds because their point is that nearly half the trusts on the London Stock Exchange are below 200 million pounds and that's increasingly seen and they're basically slipping off the radar of some of the more active investors the wealth managers uh, in the UK um, it sounds like you know you, you you share that analysis. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the, I mean, but nothing really changes. I think one of the the in, most interesting things from that note, which I read this this afternoon, is that out of the three hundred and twenty six tr- closed funds that launched between two thousand and two thousand nine, two hundred and fifty four of them no longer exist. So we, you know, we, we get these waves of of of, of evolution. Um, I think that the the main problem is that up until not so long ago, the the, the natural home, the natural buyer of investment trust with the old-fashioned private client stockbrokers, which in the last five to 10 years have merged into the um, mega wealth chains. Um, and with ever you know, more standardization of the models they use and the central buy lists, they need to buy, to, 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 to be able to buy an investment trust, they need to be able to buy a lot of shares in a hurry to allocate across all of their clients. So it means that, you know, realistically, we we define a small fund as below 100 or 200, but realistically, we're probably going, if we're not there already, they probably need these funds to be, you know, half a billion in size to be able to use them. So, you know, it's not all bad news. We've lost the, the traditional buyer, which gives the problem is a whole raft of um, listed vehicles where the natural buyer has disappeared and therefore share prices have to keep falling until, you know, prices move into equilibrium. You know, an investment trust trades in exactly the same way as an industrial stock, you know, the, where the share price is where the balances of buyers and sellers, not um, anything that relates to the underlying portfolio. So if you look at the, you know, our year end, and if you look at the the average discount within our fund on the 30th of April, um, it was 28.3%. I mean, rarely has a two in front of it over the years, you know, 15 might be more typical. So something is definitely going on. There's definitely been a change. And I think it's an acceleration of, of, of existing trends. I mean, for an investor like ourselves, Mighton Global is an investment trust in its own right. Therefore, it has protection from inflows and outflows. So we can exploit, you know, we can get paid royally for accepting a liquidity risk. Yes. I mean, at 28% discount, that's uh, average discount of the funds that you're uh, you're buying. That, that sounds very wide and that shows just how um, scared people were, basically, at the, uh, the, the depths of the, the, 
the crash in in, in February. Um, but I was just going to ask you, in terms of your, you know your specialism is buying these undervalued uh, assets. But in a downturn, when uh, investment trust share prices are, are falling and the discounts are widening, aren't you? Um, yeah, it's very hard for you to, I imagine, to to make a positive return or to or to even minimise losses because the things you're investing in are are falling faster than the than the rest of the market. Yeah, um, the figure we gave was for the for the for the for the top twelve, which is the, the, the dominant position. Normally, when you buy something on a on a on a large discount, it's unlikely to get wider because you you, you get picked off, um, and therefore, over all previous cycles. Buying um, investment trusts on a wide discount, you get this enormous um, buffer, defensive buffer, between the open market share price and the value of the physical assets. What's happened in recent months is those wide discounts have just got wider, and this is this is to do with the structural things that we've been discussing, rather than sentiment in the market. So it has, you know, our approach keeps evolving, um, you know, at surrounding the, the environment that we, we work in. So what this means is that, um, and it. The board and manager's attitude to the discounts of their trust is now much more important in our, in our, our routine discussions. Um, wouldn't describe ourselves as activist, although that's one of the tools in the box. You know, a lot of it can be quite constructive. I mean, we have trusts that have got fantastic track records that nobody knows about and nobody heard about. And it's just really helping them with, you know, who you go and talk to, where you get a, a wider audience. You know, the self-directed investor is obviously a, um, a very useful source of demand for for investment trusts. So it's not all taking a samurai sword and heading to the investment trust uh, boardroom and demanding cash back at NAV. Um, but there is an element of that. There have been one or two situations recently where you know we, we have been involved in bringing around corporate change. And again, it's 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 not new. I mean, you go back to that stat in the newest note um, of, of so many of the trusts that were launched in 2000, 2009 disappearing. Around 2011, we were quite heavily involved. You know, it's that point of the cycle. And I think we've reached that point in the cycle where, you know, engagement is 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 actually more important than it has been at other point, points in the cycle. Yeah. Now, now Mighton, uh, your, your trust, Mighton Global Opportunities, is... Um, <clears throat> It's not maybe not unique. There are other trusts that also uh, buy into uh, uh, undervalued trusts, but uh, your focus on it is 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 pretty unique. But um, with your own, with the trust itself, uh, your trust itself under a hundred million pounds, you've got that kind of unique selling appeal of what you do. But are you are you trying to uh, with your engagement with investment trust boards? Are you trying to add a bit more value on behalf of other? Uh, investors to kind of give yourself an extra role in the sector at at the moment? I think there's a bit more of a role um, to be played just at the moment. Um, I think that what we'd like to see, we have our doubts whether the evergreen structure for small investment trusts really works because people will be concerned about how they get their entry and their exit. On Mighting Global, we have um, a realisation option every three years. Uh, and therefore, people do have a roadmap to cash. If they buy into the trust um, in the middle distance, and the next one is in a year's time, they have the option to move into realization, pool the service assets, and then hand them back to cash. And that's why we tend to trade on a, on a anywhere between two premium and a four discount. I have no doubt if we did not have that structure, the events of the last few weeks or months would leave us on a 20 or 25 discount along with everyone else. So one of the things we would encourage people to do to give people a chance to to make a trust relevant, to be able to to get back onto the front foot, is to introduce that type of, of, of structure. Otherwise, you know, you you languish on a on a wide discount, and you know, 
people aren't convinced that there there is a catalyst for that for that discount to to narrow. So I think that's one solution to um, to the existing problems is 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 a change of the capital structure. Yes, and um, yeah, I mean, you recently signalled your willingness to take more of a well, whether it's an activist or engaged approach. Uh, 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 um, we could uh, choose, I suppose, but. Uh, uh, you got more engaged with uh, India Capital Growth, didn't you? Recently, uh, you were, yeah. uh, I think, instrumental in uh, in them bringing forward a continuation vote and and addressing uh, their wide discount because obviously the Indian stock market's been a uh, a tough place to be, really tough place to be um, this year and last year. Yes, I mean that was a a, a particular situation. Um, poor performance had triggered the continuation vote. Uh, the discount had got out to forty two percent at one point. Um, the trust hadn't um, engaged in buybacks over the time, and therefore um, they weren't able to, to stop the discount unraveling. And I think at that point, um, you know, investors, you know, if you've been out there once, investors won't believe that if they buy it on a 20, that sort of um, damage to their to their investment won't happen again. So again, there it's um, um, a new structure has been put in place that gives investors the chance to make an exit at the end of next year, at the end of 2021. And one of the thinkings there was that, you know, a couple of months ago was not the time to be dumping mid and small cap Indian equities. And therefore, this gives the, the portfolio a chance to recover. And 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 you never know, they have a, a really strong performance and the discount narrows sharply. Um, maybe people will stay on board, gives them, gives, gives them a chance um, rather than killing the trust off at that moment in, in, in time. But yes, no one situation is the same, but in that particular case, um, you know, shareholders um, did sort of uh, force through a change in the capital structure, which is um, will be the answer on a number of occasions. And do you think we're going to see other value investors become a bit more active, a bit more engaged like that? Because so there's a number of particularly US value investors and, uh, you know, uh, is it 1607 capital partners and people like that? And uh, uh, Wells Capital Management, I think, is, is another one, and they're often described as being actually not that hostile. But you know, they own a lot of stakes and a lot of trust, like you do. Do you think? I mean, do you think we'll see uh, investors like that becoming a bit more, um, a bit, a bit tougher on boards? I, th- I think so. Um, you've got to bear in mind that where we sit, if you look at a figure of of twenty eight point three percent discount or twenty eight, you know, we are judged on our investments in in Mike and Global. On effectively 72% of the value of the underlying portfolio, um, and therefore, you know, unless we can find a way of, of getting that to narrow, um, then you know, you know, our performance doesn't look that good. I mean, if if it moved to a more typical 15%, for example, from from the figure from from that figure, you know, in, in terms of Mike and Global, that would be a significant rise in the NAV without any any movement in the underlying assets. So we have a vested interest. You know, we are like everybody else. You're judged on very short term performance, and this is one of the ways where we can in, improve the performance. You know, at the look through level, we, we've had a reasonable crisis. Um, there has been no um, permanent destruction of capital there. We've not been in any of the areas. Um, that have been particularly hurt, but what has hurt is the is the dramatic widening of the discounts on the on the trusts we we own, which is the biggest factor in the attribution. So I suspect that other investors uh, who have similarities in their investment style will be under the same pressure um, to you know to try and extract some value. 
So this is a, a, a potentially a, a good time to invest in your your your, your trust. Uh, I guess people have got so many potential things to to choose from with so many uh, shares having fallen this year. But with your shares on a little bit of a wider discount than normal, about eight percent. But you're saying the underlying discounts are much wider. You know, if you get if you've picked good underlying assets and you do your job of being, you know, pushing them to take steps to narrow those discounts, then uh, it, it's a it's, it's a good point in which to um, get involved. Yeah, I think I think we're a bit tighter than that. We're we're on about a five discount, but that is wide wide for us. I was just thinking when I was funny enough today reading that numerous report. Um, if you had a clean sheet of paper, what you would want was uh, a vehicle, special situations vehicle to go in and um, um, exploit the the upheaval that we're we're, we're going to get in, in in the trust that enjoyed um, closed ended protection itself, so we could buy into these situations and stay there. Uh, and not be forced to sell at an inopportune moment because of because of an open-ended structure. And therefore, go to clean sheet of paper. Uh, <laughs> my go is something you might invent at this moment in time if it didn't exist already. That's a very good point. Um, I was just thinking as well that a lot of your special situations that you invest in you know, may end up uh, winding up, um, which isn't necessarily a problem. As you've indicated, that's a way... Uh, one way of eradicating a discount and, and getting a, a good shareholder return. But do you worry the uh, sector is shrinking? No, it, it keeps evolving. And if, uh, as, as you mentioned, I mean, um, the, there is a vast number of trusts, but the, 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 the trusts that are sub 200 make up a relatively small part of the of the whole industry. And uh, I can't remember the figure you gave earlier on. Was it something like 22 billion of the, of the, of the, of the current size of the sector? Well, 202 um, billion. Two hundred two billion. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say. It's, all, said, it's, it's all those alternative assets. It's a little bit light. That's that's about Scottish mortgage, or maybe Scottish mortgage in a few weeks' time. But uh, um, yeah, two hundred two billion. I've been told. I mean, I've been doing investment trusts and nothing else really since about nineteen ninety five. And I've always been told it's a dead end. Uh, the closed ended sector is is going to wilt. It's going to die. And people keep saying that. But it keeps reinventing itself. It keeps moving on. So we're really going to be, you know, the, the, even if we lost a significant number of individual trusts as a percentage of the industry it would be relatively it would relatively be small so no i mean the, the universe um just keeps getting bigger okay well listen uh, that, that that's that's uh, that's encouraging um let's uh, look at your uh, investment trust your portfolio in a, a bit more detail um i'm struck by the fact that you um you know, you invest in all sorts of things but uh, you refer to baskets of this and that quite a lot you know you've got a, a few trusts in india uh, uk microcaps vietnam are all these separate uh, baskets how, how do you approach of uh, putting the putting my go together yeah I mean, sometimes you have an idea which is more top down rather than taking a view on, on, on specific trusts. And UK microcap is, is, is interesting because exactly the same thing is happening to small industrial companies as we've just been talking about with small investment trusts. Therefore, we see those ratings continuing to, to, to decline um, at some point, you know, because the, I'm not sure that the, the, the city will be able to buy minnows again, you know, small industrial companies with a market cap of below 100 million, simply again, because the pots of money the runners become so large, um, that the, the, the very smallest companies will become quite cheap or are becoming cheap relative to um, the value of the businesses that they operate in the real world. And a recurring theme is that if the city doesn't price something properly, a bit like a, you know, some of the investment trusts we're talking about, the real world will come and take those assets. So if you are a manufacturing business and your nearest rival is in the stock market languishing on a, on a P of six, why don't you just borrow some money from the bank, 
buy that company outright, uh, run it for cash, and then within a few years, you, you'd probably end up owning it. And clearly, the valuations of these very small companies isn't right. And then, of course, the investment trusts that own them, because they are small, quite often trade on a on a discount that's very wide. I mean, River and Mercantile Microcap bought on a discount in the 30s, yet it's been one of our best performing microcap trusts. So there is a theory there that the real world released this value, and then we've got value again at the, the deep level of the discounts that we actually own. But we don't want to take a massive bet on any individual managers in this area. So we have a basket and um, to diversify manager risk. So we have down in strategic, for example, River Mercantile Microcap, um, Gresham House Strategic. Um, my brain is struggling for the uh, for the uh, for the uh, fourth one. But, um, but you know, we have um, so so the basket diversifies manager risk. We're not taking you know, we, we don't see a trend that we that we think is attractive and then buy into a one fund which then happens to have a rough time no that's that makes a lot of sense and you also you're buying early you're buying when other people aren't buying um i'll mm. just kind of jump around here a little bit i guess but um biotech growth is a very well known uh, investment trust um which i think you, you did you buy into that last year when uh, people were were getting quite dissatisfied with its performance it's really bounced back um yeah and I think I saw from your uh, recent commentary, you, you're thinking of taking profits. So do, do you still hold it? Uh, not since yesterday. Yeah. Ah, hey, well done, <laughs> And I didn't even know that. But, so, but a bit of history there. That the, We bought it, I think it was just before Christmas in 2018. As you say, it, we're always looking for unloved and overlooked trusts, and they fell very, very sharply. We, we bought into it, I think it was um, something like the 20th of December um, 2018 from memory. Uh, and uh, yeah, we were down over ten percent within twenty-four hours on it because it, it carried on down. Obviously, um, healthcare is back in vogue. There's been some almost progress at some of the companies that they own, but the market's got very excited about tech and healthcare at the moment. You know, unless you're, you're unless you're exposed to tech and healthcare, nothing else really matters. And the shares yesterday were trading at a, at a reasonable premium, and you know, we felt that was a good time to to, to exit. It's you know, we bought it when it was certainly definitely unloved and that's that's not true of it now and that's that's a fairly typical um holding period you know around about 18 months is is, is fairly typical and you're not necessarily call, are you calling the top there on bio, biotech growth or you just sort of said you've you've made enough of money and you want to move on to something else yeah i don't think you have ever call the top i mean things could get even more overexcited um but you know the, i think what you do is you go back and look at why did you buy it originally and the story has moved on. And part of the attraction was this was a perfectly good investment trust that was just out of favour. It's now in favour. It's trading at a premium. So you, you've got risks there that if, even if it holds current levels, but people are then anticipating the cycle is going to turn, it could very quickly be back on an 8 or 10 discount, which means from where we were yesterday, you'd have lost 10 or 11 cent of your money in short order without any deterioration in the, in the value of the underlying portfolio. So the risks are working against you where they're working your favour at the point that, uh, that we acquired that hold. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, moving on to hedge funds, in, in some ways, 2020 has been a great year for, for hedge funds. We've seen uh, good performances from Pershing Square. It's two Brevin Howard funds. Um, but you hold uh, another one, a third point, uh, run by a very well-known hedge fund manager, Dan, Dan Loeb. Dan, is it Dan Loeb? Loeb. Yeah, you can, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wait. Yeah. Uh, third point. Um but that's not doing so well, and you're prepared. You're, you're, you're countenancing the fact that it might actually, you know, leave the the UK stock market yeah. at some point. Uh, this is this is a a, a recent acquisition. Um, it's had a difficult 
uh, year. The hedges it took in place didn't really work. I mean, it, this is um, an investment trust or a closed-ended fund that just owns an investment in the third-point hedge fund. So it's a it's a feeder listed in the UK. Um, so uh, Dan Loeb replaced. Uh, he had a um, one of his proteges took over the reins. Went very badly in in March. The hedges didn't really work, as I said. Um, so Dan Loeb has come back and retaken the reins and may well turn the thing around. But the, the thing that um, triggered my interest, because this trades on a at the time on a 27 or 28% discount, was that watching CNBC, which is something I tend to do most evenings just to, uh, to get a feel about what the following day is going to be like, they they seized upon the fact sheet of this UK investment trust and spent five or 10 minutes analysing it, because I can only assume that the disclosure that you have to make to the, the UK investment trust feeder is much more than you get from what are quite often secretive hedge funds in, in, in on Wall Street. And therefore, for example, there's a lot of excitement. This fact sheet reported the fact that they had bought Boeing. Boeing went through the roof on the back of it, um, although it did turn out later that it was a bond, not a not the equity. But um, um, I just wonder whether you know, the managers um, trying to turn this hedge fund round, having had a, 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 a difficult time, would want that much visibility, that much window into their affairs. And therefore, Having this UK feeder just may um, be more hassle or be a bit of a disadvantage because um, disclosure is 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 a problem and it's just not priced in. If it's on a twenty-seven percent discount, I have no insight, but it must be a possibility that they just think it's all too difficult and 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 and, and fold it. So it may turn around. You know, Dan Lowe coming back, taking the reins might turn it round. If he doesn't, um, and the demand for this thing continues to, to wait with her and it's, it's it's got about a 400 million market cap but of course um that's now getting a bit small for all the reasons we we discussed so there's all sorts of opportunities there that just aren't priced in um so it it, it, it is a classic investment that uh, that we might make okay um can i turn move on to uh, japan because um i'm quite intrigued by one of your holdings i know a little bit about it atlantis japan classic kind of small um unknown relatively unknown uh, investment trust but has got um well the underlying performance i'm often told is very good and it's got a very good fund manager but the underlying performance doesn't really show through in the sort of share price returns um you've said that it actually has a better record than uh, bailey gifford japan which is very well known as being that sector's sort of flagship and a top performer um what's the situation with atlantis japan how can it be better when you look at the Say AIC tables and uh, think you know take and draw a very different conclusion. Yes, they had a um, uh, an over-engineered capital structure for many years, which had um, issuing warrants um, on a regular basis, hoping to expand the trust and then um, buying back shares um, every quarter, every half year uh, at a five percent discount, which then forced people to sell. Like somebody like myself could sell a percentage of their holding. 5% discount, then buy it immediately back on a 14 discount. The other effect of issuing warrants on a regular basis is enormous dilution in the NAV. They're absolutely fine if, you, if you're a holder and you, and you stand your round and you, and you um, exercise these warrants. But, you know, savage, over years, you had a savage um, um, uh, dilution on, on, on the NAV factor. And of course, if you just look in the league tables um, from, from the likes of Numis, et cetera, um, you're seeing highly diluted figures rather than the 
importance of the underlying um, underlying portfolio. So just to explain to anybody listening who doesn't quite get this, the warrants in, in, entitle people to to buy more shares uh, at a set price, and, and they'll do so if that set price is below the uh, existing price. Uh, and so that's if, right. So yeah. so a long term holder who was, who was um, taking up their warrants, um, the NAV would be highly diluted, but they bought cheap shares, so they're no worse off. They would be diluted if they hadn't stood their round, but not everyone wants to keep putting in more money into the into the same investment trust. And and thankfully that's that's um uh, a situation that's been dropped and they've um they've got they've massively simplified the um the, the, the capital structure. But it means that nobody can actually it's almost impossible for the layman to actually work out, you know, how the underlying portfolio performed over over that period. This is a, a trust that, you know. A classic example that we could just do with some engagement to try and get out and market and tell the story. Um, you know, it, it's it's. I mean, looking at the screen earlier on, it was trading on a, at one point today on a twenty percent discount for a, for a, a, a solid fund. Um, it has all sorts of interesting investments in there. Uh, you know, classic example is is a corporate finance house that uh, acts as a marriage broker for families where the next generation. Don't want to take on the family business where the and, and you know, off the older generation. Very typical problem in in, in Japan. Um, and they'll do the deal. They'll find the the, the new owners so that the, the children don't have to step into the, into the parent shoes. It's a it's a it's a classic Japanese solution for a Japanese problem. You know there are all sorts of these business models in the portfolio, and it's fascinating. Um, it's but it's 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 relatively small, but. Um, frequently get asked about it um but it's 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 a it's, it's a classic secret that just the story needs to get out and that that is an example where the active engagement is 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 really just trying to to help get the story out so that there are more buyers and that's the uh, that's the simplest thing of getting rid of a discount is find more buyers than there are sellers yeah, it sounds a very frustrating situation if the underlying performance is is, is as good as uh, you know draws comparison with that that Bailey Gifford Japan. Um, just uh, looking, I'm looking at Vietnam as well. I mean, there's so many interesting things in your portfolio. But um, um, we mentioned India earlier on. You you, you at one point had a, a few, well, all the India trusts, I think, and had uh, it was a quite a big position for you investing in India. But uh, you, you you've cooled on that, and uh, you seem to be uh, shifting your exposure to Vietnam. Um, is that uh, is that right? Are you, are you shifting specifically from India to Vietnam, and why? No, they're they're, they're separate. Um, they're separate calls, really. Um, India was quite a big holding back in in the day, as 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 you said. Uh, we called on it uh, early part of this year. We had a very um, useful lunch with uh, Joffy Labs, which is one of the market leaders in soaps, dishwasher tablets, shirt whiteners, etc. Who was telling us that there was a bit of a liquidity crunch developing in India, and that his distributors, you know, he always had got got cash cash on the nail for his products. Um, he'd recently had to do a thirty day deferred settlement because the distributors couldn't get the money off the off the off their their customers, and that, that had more recently been extended even beyond that. Um, it just felt that you know a liquidity crunch might have been coming in India at that point. We'll never know because. COVID has arrived and therefore we have all these expansionary policies now. So that was more of a, of, of a top-down call. We had had a basket um, to try and, you know, again, take, um, build exposure to, to India without taking massive risk on an individual manager. 
Um, if, if the macro view has, has changed, we could, we've, we've sold out of the JP Morgan fund. We, we reduced um, India capital growth uh, and we kept Ashoka, which is an interesting new trust um, who performed impressively. So we, we still have around about 3% in India. And um, that's a lot less. It was you know, two years ago. That was a, um, a key call of ours. Vietnam, as we touched before, um, COVID is speeding up some some trends. I think uh, multinationals are now looking to diversify their um, uh, supply chains, the, the, the manufacturing bases away from China, not to have all the regs in the Chinese basket. We have the trade war as well. Vietnam has had a, um, a good COVID. I, I believe I'm right in saying there hasn't been a single death there, despite having a border with China. Um, I think it's an obvious place to, to manufacture, to diversify um, your operations. So, yeah, I think Vietnam is probably in the long term a, a, a beneficiary of this of this crisis. Obviously, in the shorter term, um, the tourism industry has, has taken a big hit and that will have its, its effect on the economy. So both of those are a change of view, but they're not connected. There's only a few uh, Vietnam uh, specialist uh, investment companies. Uh, you seem to prefer Vietnam opportunities, VOF, over Vietnam Enterprises uh, or Vail. Uh, yeah, they're, they're, the, they're the two key ones. Um, I think there's probably a bit to go for in the private equity stance. Um, Vietnam Opportunities is you know, much more involved in buying unlisted companies. It's still dominated by a, a, an equity portfolio, but... You know, with a lot of the privatizations and businesses being moved from being state owned to being privately owned, um, there's quite a bit of upside in that um, private equity operation. So we, 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 we see that as, a, as, a, as, a, as an opportunity rather than being a, a more pure equity portfolio. OK, well, listen, one, one last sort of uh, area. Just you mentioned private equity. It, it, it's an area that you like to uh, sort of dabble into uh, as well. Um, and and uh, recently uh, I was speaking to Helen Steers, uh, manager of uh, Pantheon International, just broadly speaking, a, 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 a fund of funds investing in other private equity fund managers. Um, and like many, most of the uh, investment trusts in that sector, trading on wide discounts um, at the moment. Um, yes, you, you you seem to have a, a good variety of uh, trusts uh, in private equity. You've got the the newfangled Augmentum FinTech, which kind of says uh, what it does on the tin, really. Uh, Merion Chrysalis. Um, do you do you prefer these uh, new entrants to the uh, to the to the more established, uh, long-standing ones? I think, well, Augmentum was slightly different. That was opportunistic. They had a problem a few months back when Zopa was struggling to the last day to, to, to get refinancing, to get the cash for its banking license. And Augmentum took a big hit. And, and that was an opportunity to, uh, to, to jump aboard. It's one we had looked at a, a couple of times. But I think in the current environment, what we like is the visibility on the portfolio. We quite like Merion Chrysalis and Oakley Capital, where we're looking at maybe 12 or 15 companies that, you know, uh, Merion is slightly less than, than than Oakley, where we can see the business, we can understand the business. With the more generalist trusts, such as Pantheon, there's a bit less visibility because they tend to own a lot of funds, probably maybe up to 1,500 underlying um, businesses there. Uh, and historically, there's been a lot of leverage used in in, in those structures. And we, you know, I'm sure it'll be fine this time, but um, it, it wasn't fine last time around, and 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 therefore people will be nervous of, of, of private equity generally until we get a bit more more clarity. So what we're really looking for is is being able to actually look at the companies and have a view on the companies. Um, and you know, so, for example, on um, Merion Chrysalis, 
Um, TransferWise, which is their biggest holding, for example, looks as though it's just completing a, another funding round substantially higher than the last one. Um, so some, a small number of key companies um, will, will drive the returns on, on these funds. That's had a very good uh, run since launch. Um, what is it? A year and a half, maybe a couple of years mm. ago. Yeah. Um, but um, it recently didn't. That news on uh, or the, the reports of the, the potential valuation increase in TransferWise didn't seem to uh, lift the uh, Merry and Christmas share price. But they are tra- uh, last week or so. But um, they are trading on quite a big premium. So uh, how much of this is in in the price? I'm quite surprised to see you keen on something that's on such a big premium. <sighs> Yes. No, I mean, I, th- I think what we were looking at originally with that investment was that um, the concern is that a lot of the action now in, in the UK economy is with unlisted companies rather than listed companies, that companies stay um, private much longer. There's all sorts of alternative financings now that you can, you can use to, to for the promoters of these, these new businesses to stay on board longer. Um, you know, back in the in, in, in the day when I was doing stock exchange practice examinations in, in the early 80s, they used to teach you that equity, you know, you had a, a list on the stock market to provide capital to expand your factories, etc. You have a rights issue to do something similar to that. Not really the case now. You don't need the stock market to do that. And the stock market seems much more of an exit. So we're just looking at ways that um, we can get involved in businesses um, and these exciting businesses before they got to listing. Um, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a it's a big area that is is difficult to get access um, to these days. So it it it, it looked to be a um, an interesting concept. But the other thing that it was a bit of a struggle to get that 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 trust away. Um, and I I was thinking at the time, uh, and they were running you know a very large mid and small caps around at Marion, probably six or seven billion something like that. I don't know the the the, the, the figure. Why at that time would you spend six? Because I've done this uh, six weeks of your life trying to float an investment trust where you've got to speak to seventy to one hundred presentations over a short period of time. When you're running that much money to, to launch a small investment trust, you know the manager must have a real drive or, or must really be seeing something um, to go and you know spend that much time and that much effort getting an investment trust off off, off the ground. Um, and and that was. That was uh, an attraction. So we were we're in that fairly early, and it's it's working out very nicely. No, that, I can see you see your logic there. Well, listen, um, we, we've we've um, had a good uh, tour of uh, of some of the parts of your portfolio. Lots going on. Um, I can imagine that the uh, stock market upheaval has thrown up uh, lots of things for you to look at. Uh, anything else that uh, we haven't covered that you're you're looking at at the moment? Any areas that uh, of uh, potential interest? No, I think there's, there's there's all sorts of things going on, but I think we've um, uh, given a good flavour, and uh, obviously uh, I can bore for England um, on on the subject. So if you if you well, ask me another question, you'll get the four hour version rather than the four minute version that you're looking. for. Well, we haven't even touched on your uh, property trusts or the the commodities. Well, you actually you mentioned one of the forestry ones, but I think yes, we have given a, a good uh, insight into uh, uh, what you do and the way that you you look at the world and what you know and your views on. Uh, uh, on this interesting sort of uh, uh, juncture uh, in investment trust development. But uh, by and large, you sound pretty positive that it's going to continue to evolve and uh, create investment opportunities for you. Exactly. Many All right. thanks. All right. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Nick. Good to talk to you. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye.